0: Voice of the Blues here on your Home of the Blues 101 ESPN. Chris Kerber joins us a week after free agency. Good morning, Kerbs. How you doing? Randy, I'm doing great. How are you? Everything is great. I would assume that with the signing of Nico Mikola yesterday, we're probably looking at the roster the Blues start training camp with, wouldn't you think?
1: Yeah, I think barring anything uh, unforeseen, uh, and it being unforeseen, I don't see it coming. Uh, I, I think this is pretty much the roster that's going to be set. Now, we know that there's going to be adjustments and changes, you know, maybe as we get closer, injuries, things like that creep up. But uh, I I think Doug Armstrong has built his roster to uh, at least get to training camp. Curves, are you surprised that Vladimir Tarasenko will be a part of that roster? Well, that's a great question now. You you know, last year I was pretty adamant that he was going to be part of the team, and we had that one nailed pretty well. Uh, I am a little bit, but the reason I say a little bit, Michelle, is you know, not having talked to him and, and not really knowing where all that stuff sat, um, you know, I, I guess a little yes and no. You know, one of the challenges with th- that still remained with him, and let's just let's make the assumption that he still wants to be uh, moved or wants to play someplace else. If you make that assumption, he's got a $7.5 million cap hit, which for an 82-point player is a very reasonable uh, cap hit these days. But his salary is only, I believe, at $5.5 million. Typically, when you see a player like that moved, you see them move to a team that is rebuilding, a team that is trying to basically get to the salary cap floor and not have to pay full freight for that. And when you do that, those are typically teams like, most recently, the Arizona Coyotes, the Buffalo Sabres, teams that are rebuilding, teams that are just struggling to find their way. Well, if you're Vladimir Tarasenko and you have some control over where you're going to go, why would you want to go to one of those places? So I still see that as being an obstacle to a move. And and because of that, that's why I said I'm only somewhat, because I still think it's a difficult situation to probably move him uh, based on all those different factors.
0: The Blues did a lot of scoring last year. and. For a good portion of the season, their defense left something to des- be desired. I do think that we got a glimpse into the way the Blues feel again. We got another glimpse into the way the Blues feel philosophically about building a team when it was Letty who was the guy that we was resigned rather than David Perron.
1: Yeah, I agree with you on that one, Randy. And I, I think it also you, you can also see it as a shift in philosophy as well because you know. I still think that Doug Armstrong if, if he really had his druthers would prefer the size factor you know going and, and and a little more toughness back there but having said that the way this team has changed up front it's clear that they also need some really good puck moving defenseman ability and you know look at how Colorado won the cup you know you've seen teams that have won the cup without the big bruising you know uh, in your face style and it's uh, the game is really going to that puck moving ability you know especially from the back end and if you can't start it and you can't skate it out from your own end the way teams forecheck uh then you're going to have a hard time and, and frankly we saw that happen with the blues at times last year didn't we so putting that all on the table I, I i think it's clear that they definitely favored shoring up the back end and then keeping david on the roster and that's just unfortunately the way the business side goes Curbs, we know that Ryan O'Reilly is a special player, but he had such a connection with David Perron. They had such great chemistry on and off the ice. Do you think that we might see him? I'm just I'm just wondering what he might lose without David Perron part of that equation. Yeah, you know what, Michelle? I've been thinking about that too, and I don't know. Um, I haven't had a chance to talk to Ryan or, or trade messages with him yet. I haven't had a chance to talk to David for that matter either. Um, you know, but... Yeah, there, there's no doubt going to be a difference. Now, the one thing that we've seen from Ryan O'Reilly in his time with the Blues, no matter who he plays with, he makes them better. I mean, and that is, to me, the mark of well, one of the marks of a great player is do you make the people around you better? And no matter who he seems to play with, he seems to make them better. So Ryan's going to adjust. There's no doubt about that. But, you know, but to me, I, I look at the makeup of this roster, guys, and I still believe that if you are going to be a Stanley Cup championship caliber team, from a depth standpoint, I still see a guy, for example, like Brandon Saad on the third line. I think if he's playing regularly up in your top six, you're probably not as deep as you need to be, and that's more of a statement of needed depth than it is about the player that, that Brandon Saad is. So I was I was kind of, you know, personally as a fan of, of the, the person and the player bummed not to see David return, um, you know, but this is a, a situation I think similar to what – Maybe the Blues did with T.J. Oshie when they realized, and now that's a trade you sure as hell would like to have back, but at the same time, they looked at it and said, we aren't going to be able to afford Tarasenko and Schwartz, you know, if if we don't make a move like this. And, you know, I think in the end you're just seeing, you know, what the team is, at least what Doug Armstrong is perceiving as a cap casualty. Now, could you have moved dollars around and other things? Yeah, maybe. But um, it's going to circle back to, I guess, not so much Ryan O'Reilly, Michelle. But I think the pressure is now on Jordan Cairo. The pressure is clearly on Robert Thomas. The pressure is clearly on Brandon Sod, on Pavel Butchnevich. Those are the guys that are going to have to not just step up and fill the ice time that David uh, did from a production standpoint, but David to become a pretty solid leader and a good leader in that room, a vocal guy, and, and someone's going to have to fill that role too.
0: Yeah, somebody will have to fill that role, but on the ice curbs, The Blues are really enthusiastic about Neighbors and Duke. It'll be interesting to see how quickly they can contribute at a high level, and there's pressure on those guys to contribute as well. But they felt comfortable enough to let a guy like Perron walk away because of their confidence in those guys becoming top six forwards.
1: Yeah, and I hope I'm wrong on this, Randy, but I don't think I am, at least at the moment. I just, look, I, I think it's time for Jake Neighbors to step in. And, and Doug Armstrong mentioned this in one, of his, in one of his comments. It might have been the comments that, that, that he made with Craig Berube at the end of the season. You know, but when you draft a player, and, and you're, you, it's going to take a few years, especially if, even when you're drafting in that middle run. I mean, look at even at Robert Thomas. Like, very rarely are you seeing a guy like a David Perron, for example, where you're drafting him 27th and he's playing and impacting your roster the very next year. It takes a little while. Mm-hmm. And even after taking a couple of years, for example, like it's done with Jake Neighbors, right? Then Doug Armstrong said, you're going to come in, and, and just because you're playing now on the team doesn't mean you're playing in an impactful role. You're going to come in. You're going to you know, go through your growing pains. You're going to earn your ice time. I, I just think that if, if you're going into this year and you're thinking that Jake Neighbors and, and Zach Bolduc you know, are, are going to fill these holes and, and put you at a championship cup-level winning team, I think that's asking too much. I don't think history plays out that way in the National Hockey League. One of them? Yes. Both? Unlikely. Yeah. Now, again, I hope I'm completely wrong on this, but I, I still think it takes those veteran-natured players. I mean, you guys, look at Colorado. I mean, you, you've got you, – you had Nathan McKinnon in his, what, ninth or tenth year, eleventh or twelfth year for uh, for Landeskog. It takes experience to win. And, and I think relying on too much youth uh, while needed, and you have to figure it out, uh, and those guys have to get the experience, uh, I, I think it becomes a bit of a hindrance. I mean, even go back to, look at a couple of the mistakes made by Jordan Cairo in the second round. Right, Those are growing pains. But those are growing things that cost you games. Yeah. Sometimes. And and so you you've got to get that experience mixed in there well with
0: those guys. Kerbs, one more thing. Speaking of Colorado, if you would have told me that Nazem Kadri would still be on the market on Monday the 18th, I would have said you're crazy. I can't <laughs> believe that he hasn't been signed. What do you think's going on there?
1: Guys, I'm actually not all that surprised by this. Really? Now here's wow. the challenge with here and he well, here's why. One, I the, the I've seen this happen before with agents and players, do you overvalue yourself? You know, and and do you, or do you step into a role that that's a, that's a really good spot? Look, Nazem Kadri is a heck of a player. He played well. He shook and, and he knocked away a lot of the image that he had, and he won a Stanley Cup. But what also happens now is if you don't get in on some of the early days of free agency, look at all the teams now that are up against the cap, and for Nazem Kadri now to sign with somebody. And he wants to, if you want to go play for a winning team and keep winning, most of those teams have spent their money. They're going to have to make a move to keep you out, or you've got to sign for less. So once a player, like he and Klingberg, Klingberg is a real intriguing one for me. Um, the, the fact that people didn't sweep in and, and, and kind of find a way to get Klingberg under a contract tells us something as well. So, you know, I'm, I'm not at all surprised. And the challenge is once you wait and once it takes a few days uh, it's hard to sometimes find those deals unless the team's willing to move something out. And maybe there's a team out there that says, holy cow, he's still there. Maybe we can get him for a little less and still have to make a, a salary move to get him under the cap. But I'm, I'm not at all shocked just because I think there are some that want to stay away from the reputation and may not be completely
0: convinced that it's gone. I wonder if Daryl Sutter would like him because Calgary has cap space. They obviously have a need after losing Goodrow. I wonder if Calgary would be interested in a guy like that.
1: Yeah, you, you keep hearing those things. I, I think Calgary remains a uh, maybe a front runner to continue to talk to him because, and they're also got to be thinking, who knows what that situation is with Matthew up there? So um, it, it's still a shocker. Now, look, I was told uh, interestingly enough, I I, I I heard that not only like so not only did Calgary put one heck of an offer on the table for Johnny Gaudreau, right, but the New Jersey Devils were in the mix. But one of the teams that was in the mix ended up stepping back. And then they circled back with Calgary and, and, and didn't you know it didn't maybe go too well, uh, and, and Calgary didn't want to step up again. And there you have Columbus. I Calgary's in a in a real interesting situation, and Brad Trey Living has that challenge now. Uh, so a guy like Nazem Cadre could at least bring some spark and uh, and some life to that team. And and there aren't many teams that are on the cusp of still having a really good competitive team that has the cap space to be able to put that kind of contract out there. Then again how how long of a contract do you put out there? I mean, so who knows what his agents looking for, Randy? If his agents is if he's looking for 6 7 years, well I just I I just don't see that happening. So it's again, it's where do and boy, Doug Armstrong has some great examples of this too, but players or agents overvaluing, you know, what their player could really get. Um mm-hmm. you know who is a great example of that real quickly here? Go back a few years ago. Chris Russell, right, still playing for the Edmonton Oilers. Remember the former uh, Blues defenseman? Yeah. He hit the free agent market, okay? And and it just and you're thinking, okay, this guy's blocking a ton of shots. He was like the league leader in block shots. He's doing a lot of good things. They, they thought that there was going to be some more value for him. It wasn't. He ended up having to sign, I think, a one-year deal at a lot less money with the Edmonton Oilers, earned a spot, and now he's stuck with them ever since. So sometimes, sometimes the market doesn't go your way, and frankly, that's maybe why they call it the market.
0: Yeah, right. Moral of the story: get offered a contract on opening day of free agency, take it. <laughs>
1: yeah, good call. Hey, listen, if you get off, well, if you get offered, if you get offered a contract that you think is pretty reasonable, you're darn right, take it. Uh, you know, you're trying to. It's one thing to be able to say I can write my own ticket. But you got to have somebody else that wants you at that same price.
0: And sometimes those two things don't always align. Yep, Curbs, great stuff. Thanks, as always. We do appreciate it. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Have an awesome week, you too. Thanks. See you, Curbs. That is the Voice of the Blues here on 101 ESPN.
2: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama.